This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. Greetings, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. It's a very special installment indeed for a number of reasons, primarily because you'll be listening to a chat with one of my favorite all-time fellas to have a chat with, Levi Benton from Miss May I. What a great fella, as you'll hear throughout the conversation. The second reason is that this is episode number 666. If I was posting episode numbers, it'd have that number next to it. I thought, fuck it, why not? I'll put it in the artwork. Number 666. There have actually been quite a bit more episodes that I've posted over the years, but the amount that are currently available is that number, and I couldn't think of a better fella to share it with than Levi Benton. Now, the catalyst for the chat with Levi is due to the launch of a new album from Miss May I titled Curse of Existence. We're going to listen to a tune if you are listening via the podcast apps. This one is titled Unconquered, and once it's done, we'll dive into the conversation. If you're listening or watching via YouTube, unfortunately, we can't play music on that platform, the bloody thing. I wish I could, but I can't because if I do, the... Episodes get flagged and they get taken down. That's the reason why, if you're wondering. And we'll dive into the chat right now. Either way, let's go.
Hey, mate. Hey, Andy, how, how are, are you? you? Good, mate. How's yeah, this? I'm so sorry. Never yeah, a drama, brother. Rehearsals, uh, they, they ran a little bit, uh, they ran an hour longer than I thought. But hey, rehearsals are done and my ass is kicked. So I'm ready for tour. <laughs> um, mate, it's never a drama. It's always great to catch up with you. We had a number of conversations in 2017, I might add. And uh, I'll give you this feedback up top. I think it's important. I started my podcast back then and you were about interview number four or five. Okay, and you did a wonderful thing, maybe without realizing it, but you shared the episode on your socials and it gave me a very early but necessary bump. I think I got something like five or 6,000 listens in the first hour or two after you did that. So I've always wanted to thank you for that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, man, of course. Thank you for having me and having me again. I appreciate it. I know we don't get to make it down there that, that much as we used to. So anytime you guys um, reach out, we appreciate it. Yeah, I, I have studied your career in terms of I've followed it and I love what you do. You've, you've been at the head of this, the tip of this spear, if you like. Actually, now let's talk about the album first before I start going a bit broader about your uh, your career, if that's cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one thing of course. I, one thing I will say is unbelievably, if it's more serendipity, you will be episode number 666. <laughs> on the show oh, so there you go oh yeah <laughs> Actually, i gotta show that one we gotta make a special graphic for this this one i i will definitely do that i'll send it through to you too on socials yeah i'll, I'll make sure you get a copy of it but i'll make a big deal out of 666 because this is yeah. al this is album number seven lucky number seven for you this new one yes and do you think this is the the definitive miss may i statement you know what? I this that's what's so cool. You're the first person to ask that, and I really think it is because um, I, I think like there's like a vulnerability and um, like an openness and comfort that comes with being a band for so long. Mm -hmm. So for us being this band so long, we can actually uh, like I guess really be ourselves without trying to push the needle. We've I guess always released albums that had like um, a ballad or a radio song or something that. Um, not that it wasn't us, but we were just like trying to like push this needle and sort of maybe, maybe it was leading up to our 10 year tour and like post the 10 year tour. But like, we really saw our fans and saw like what people wanted and it, it, that took a big weight off of our shoulders because we didn't have to like try to like um, chase this thing that doesn't exist. It was like, oh, we just need to be ourselves. And We've had that realization after Shadows and Sides. So this is our first album since that realization. And obviously the yeah. pandemic just made everything sweeter because it's like we appreciate it so much more. So not only do we feel more comfortable, but now we just appreciate it in a different way. So both of those things combining, it's just made this album such a fun time. And I think fans can really hear it. And um, we've always, it's actually one of our label, um, the owner of our label, Sean Keith, it's one of his like sayings is if it's real, they'll feel. And I think like, this album's just so real for us because there's no um, ulterior motive. It was just writing. Yeah, just it, it is our mm. definitive point. That's that's a great that's a great point you raised there. Insofar as working with Sharp Tone, you were on Rise there for a couple of albums, and you did really well with Rise. But it might not have been their doing. It's just that the band was hot there for the first five years or so, weren't you? It was really one of the bands that was you had you had the buzz. There's no doubt about it. But you've now matured and. You know, there's that dreaded metalcore genre tag. Not when I say dreaded, it's like, why do these genres matter? And I know that they do, but these days, you're just a fucking killer heavy metal band. 
Does that marry up with some some of the work and say some of the advice that you've been given from Sharpto? Um, yeah, well, I think them giving us sort of the landscape to really do do we want to do that? Yeah, was because we had offers across like across the board when that change happened, and Sharptone was sort of the option that had no, and it was because they were such a young label at the time, but mm. their whole motive was to release songs and, and have artists have no boundaries and just like that's why they have bands like Broco and they have um like thrashy bands or like pop punk bands they have it across the board because there's no like boundaries which is which we think is is great and yeah i think in parallel with us moving there sort of let us dip our toes deeper into like our metal influences um that are outside of metalcore because i feel like the metalcore coin term that we got was because of the time we came up and it was yes. like those were our main influences and that was our community so it's like that's that is who we were at, and that's not who we are now but like you know what i mean like we can really the longer we are as a band we can sort of express more of our deeper influences because what i was trying to explain to people is when we did those first albums everyone asked for the influences and it's a lot of badly dying and under oath and the things you can hear through our music but the longer our career happened and the more we got into metal it was we started diving into like what did under us get like what got them into being a band what did I, like as like you look at you look deeper into the influences and you start finding this whole world of metal like of metal and just music that you didn't know existed and it's from your influences influences and once i feel like once you get to that like layer of the onion it's like so much fun because then you're you, you're understanding why your heroes are doing the things they do um mm. yeah and, and i think that's like where we are now as a band. there's a lot of like in flames at the gates um darkest hour like all these influences on this new album where those were influences of bands that we were influenced by um so yeah it's just a deeper dive sort of but that's who we are i think mm. yeah i could definitely hear the gothenburg and it's awesome it's it's killer. So, <laughs> so did you? In terms of the personnel, are the same personnel present on this album as say on Shadows Inside? And and what did the musicians contribute? Um. So wait, sorry, one more time. So Shadows Inside, your previous album, did you carry over the same lineup, or has there been changes? Oh, oh, yeah. So, uh, we so we did two producers that was our first album doing two producers we brought one back and we changed in another one up um mm. and same band members uh so yeah same, same writing as members but we did change it up with producers um for the vocals and overall producing um we brought in will putney and still kept nick sampson for instruments and um we yes. just thought that would bring a whole will's got like a a very dark real um vibe to him and the albums he puts out and we really that's something we've never really dipped our toes into and we really wanted to do that and have a producer that would sort of rip that out of us because that's how we choose producers is like obviously off their discography you can see where their strengths are and if that's something you really want to play with on an album those are the guys. that's how we approach guys hmm. uh-huh. gotcha and, and we've we've touched on it the gothenburg thing so that was obviously a strategy. You you wanted to go in that direction and you wanted to do something and you wanted to dive deeper into aspects of this music that you love that you hadn't done before. Does that sound, sound about right? Oh, yeah, that's a, that's exactly it. And, and it's like, it's not even 
it's funny that, that we didn't do it. It was just, it goes back to what I was saying earlier is like the, um, just the vulnerability and comfort. Like we weren't, I don't think I could have <laughs> like on our second album or something when I was 18 on, on Warped Tour, I couldn't have like thrown in an In Flames influenced song. <laughs> it was just not the right yeah. time. Um, but it, it's so cool. It, it's actually funny too, the, the album you're listening to right now, or the, the one that is going to be coming out. We, it was actually a lot more Euro and Swedish. And we actually had a, a label. It was the first time we've ever got sent back. So the label sent mm. us, label management sent us. They were like, we love this. We love where we're going, but there's a couple albums that need to be in between. And I think it's because we had so much time off that we were just writing and writing and writing. And it was like, it was like a five-year stretch, but there should have been an album in the middle. So we sort yeah. of pumped the brakes a little bit, but it's exciting because I can't wait to go back to the studio because the little things we did sprinkle in there is what fans are most excited about. And I was like, wait to hear what we can really do. <laughs> like, it's going to be really fun. It is really fun. I love what you've done with this album here, Curse of Existence. It's that's that, It was a loaded statement up top there about it being the definitive Miss May I statement. But what it does do, a lot of bands, you're seven albums deep, but I feel like it's only just now as great as many of the previous albums have been, and, and I did, and I'd still enjoy Shadows Inside, I should say. But I feel like as though this is the album that sets yourselves up for the future, is in terms of you've already had a great career, but this is the one that consolidates it. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I I, I think you hit the nail on the head. That's it. that's how we feel internally too. It's like, mm. um, yeah, it's it's uh, which I know it's weird to say that, but like with an album cycle and stuff, there is like an aura and energy it brings when you're jumping yep. into it. Um, and I've been on stressful album cycles that lasted years, and I've been on hyped up ones and ones that were easy. And this one is just so comfortable, and it feels so us. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm very happy that you said that because that's how it feels. It feels like we finally are like hitting our stride, and it, it is funny that's so late in our career, but it's also we started so young. We'll mm. meet some bands. And, it, it blows it blows their mind that we've been doing it for almost 15 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was the, you may have touched on this already, but was the, the pandemic and the lockdowns and the inability to tour, that sort of thing, I've spoken to other bands, other members of bands, and they've told me that it's it's brought them to their knees because they couldn't tour. Was that the same for you? Oh, man, yeah, it was. It's the lowest low we've all for sure been and been in as a band um and that's every that's not even as a band blanket statement that's all individual members and everyone was going through their own really really hard times and mm. i've obviously known these guys for more than half my life and it's that it was definitely the, the darkest time and we went through some crazy stuff um our half of our lives together uh so yeah and, and that was obviously going into the studio after all of that you, it's hard to not want the, the album to be about that, but then you also have to have the perspective when you're going to the studio that everyone's going through this and you don't want to write that pandemic album that's just going to sort of be locked in time. So yeah. it, it's, you had to like be thoughtful as well while, while you're writing, but then you're also just trying to shake it off. Like you're still in it. So it was, yeah, it was definitely a, it was, it was a mind fuck for sure. Yeah, it, it wasn't good right across the board. It was bloody awful for the most part, but thank God we're coming out of it and we're starting to see a lot of bands are coming out. Like you've probably heard, talking about Gothenburg, the new Halo Effect album, the guys that were in, in Flames, what they're doing. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, and your album here too, man. There's been some 
fucking outstanding albums released this year. So we can only hope, mate, that these tours and the festivals and stuff start coming down to Australia. I know they're starting to kick off a bit, but I'm talking about the metal ones, the real ones. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Hey, I there, there is, that. Look, there's a point I wanted to raise because I just find it it's very interesting, this one here. So it's a bit of a longer one, but here I go. Look, I, I noticed that Shadows Inside peaked at 176 on the Billboard 200 which is well down from where Deathless uh, peaked in 2015, which itself was down from where Rise of the Lion peaked in 2014. Yet you've got increased fan engagement, your tours have probably never been bigger, and frankly, you're a better band, you're writing better material. Now, charts, they're not meaningless because they reflect sales, and it's all about the dollars at a certain level. Understand that. But you've got a killer fan base set and your social presence is strong. You've got it all going on. Do you discuss... Things like chart performance within the band and the label? We used to. Um, and I think probably Deathless era was the was where the, the conversation started internally with labels and managements across the board of like, hey, this might not be because Deathless was coming out right when uh streaming was coming out. Mm. And um yeah, we started having the conversation of like this could like not this could change everything because this this number might not mean a lot and it took a little bit because that number i know the press picks it up and everyone all the fans can talk about it the fans that care about that stuff but that number it also means a lot for the shows you get booked on the tours you get on the matter mm, yeah um your your rate that you're getting a show so the the other question was like when will it catch up with what those numbers actually do for the economy of music. And um, I think it took probably, I think Shadow of the Side was still a conversation, but this album, it was a definitely like, um, that's sort of numbers we don't look at anymore because it's such a, it's so skewed because it's, that's just not where we are anymore. I actually, I have those, all our billboard plaques in my office and mm. I, I joke with, uh, friends of how I'm going to show my kids those plaques and be like, it used to be this thing that you had to <laughs> care about with these sales. And like, cause it's cool. Cause on the, the charts, it's like this man. And then you see Usher and frozen soundtrack and all these like ridiculous things that came out that same, those same times. And it was an exciting thing. And you see the number and you're just like, wow, that many people bought it. But it's like, that's, that was like a, a time to be alive. It's almost, it's on its way out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I noticed that. And, and I thought, wow, that's uh, that basically means at this point in time, the chart performance doesn't have any correlation to a band's success. We might be this might be the first time that I've noticed it, but it also could be the first time that that's that's actually the case. Yeah, I don't even know anyone who's the only people I think that are playing that game are like are the pop world, and I and I think mm. they're only playing it because they're the only ones playing it. Like, I don't think it, it's. Um, I think once they start. I guess not really taking it with as much weight as it used to have. Then I, then I, that'll be the really interesting thing is when no one's really paying attention more to that and that everyone's mm. focus is on streaming. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, just talking about the direction that the band might go in in the future. Now, I've I've mentioned that I, I just classify you guys as a killer heavy metal band at this point in time. But do you do you feel the same way in so far as 
working with producers. So a bloke like Jens Brogren, I think, would just do as Will's done a fantastic job here too, mate. Don't please don't mistake my my uh, feelings about oh, that. No, I think it's a wonderful yeah. sound. But a guy like Jens Brogren, have you thought about working with him or an Andy Sneap? Yeah, they've they've all been on our list. Um, it honestly is uh, how how it really goes out. I'm like, I'm not in that much of the final call on that because I, I I will coin this now that I have like infant ears when I go in. I'm just like I want mm. it to be loud <laughs> and awesome. Like everyone's like talking about hurts and mixing. I'm like I just want it to be loud. Like that's all. That's like all I care about. But yeah, they've come up on lists. Um, and I think it's just something that we're working towards. We always do change it up if anyone, other than like some of the albums that we were really just trying to make an impression and we were with Joey Sturgis, we've, we've always mixed it up on purpose. So I think, um, yeah, those are, it's just in due time that we'll make our way to those guys. Now, I would love to, because with their discographies, just to see what they could pull out of us. Cause that's like, I feel like a producer's like squeezing the juice out of an orange or a lemon is it's you get something different every time yeah did will did will help with the songwriting at all or was he more just about the sonics no 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 he helped a lot so he mainly just worked on um the vocals and lyrics so he was the first person we really let dive in and be hands-on with lyrics we never had that before but we were Mm -hmm. in such a bad like um just bad state at the time that he sort of needed, we needed him more than ever because there was no positive resolution um, on all of songs, which for Miss Fan, we've always wanted to be like an uplifting and um, somewhat positive metal band. Or we want you to end the album feeling like you took, took a shot of espresso and you want to take on the world. Like that's what we wanted. And the songs were only 90 or 80% of the way there. They didn't, the story was there, but we couldn't see the bright side because we were just in a funk and it was awesome because will we didn't know we were in a funk until Will was like take a step out look on the inside and we're like oh my gosh we are like we are yeah. really bummed out and then it was sort of like a therapeutic uh exercise to go back and finish our songs and in, in the way we've always finished this mass songs and it was funny because we have versions of the album before that and we have versions after and that literally overnight just made it like made it a miss may i song like we're like, it's missing something. What is it? And then Will's mm-hmm. like, you need to look at this perspective again. Like, this is you guys. It's just not there right now. And then we went back to the drawing board, did that, and then we played back the song. And like, oh, that that's us. I can hear it. Awesome. Mate, Ed, this chat is, is over way too quickly, but I've got one more question for you before I let you go to the next one, if that's cool. Surely to goodness, yeah. surely to goodness, you, you, you want to come down to Australia. So has there been... Has there been talks about when you might be coming down with the band? There has been talks. We have um, we have two new little ones coming to uh, the Miss May I family early next year. So I I know it probably won't be early next year, but um, I, I would hope end of ne- I know on this album cycle it's in the conversation. So I, and I know on Shadows we were trying to swing down there on our Asia run and it didn't didn't really work like we wanted it. Um, so yeah, we'll definitely. I'm hoping the end of next year or early 24. Mm-hmm. Love your work, mate. Thank you for the chat. It's awesome. Uh, can't wait to see you guys down here. Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. 
My pleasure, mate. Episode six six six. This is great. Yeah, <laughs> it is, mate. Episode number six six six. And honestly, if I was going to pick anybody, mate, you'd be in the top five. You know what I'm saying? So, thank you. Uh, you, you definitely want to. I'm in the car. So sorry, there's. No, oh, there you are. <laughs> not much video. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, no, that's great, mate. No, well, it's, it's onwards and upwards for you guys, and and it's I haven't seen you guys yet. I missed you guys when you when you came down. Like, like I think I heard you before you around some kids, mate. I got young kids, and it's just hard to bloody get out. Um, but I do look forward to oh, catching hey, I up, understand. mate. <laughs> Absolutely. I appreciate. Yeah, uh, next time we're down there, uh, let's do this again. Absolutely, brother. Thanks very much again, mate. Hey, anytime. I'll talk to you soon. Catch you, mate. Okay. Cheers. Bye. There he is, Levi Benton from Miss May I. What a fantastic fella. I always look forward to the potential for a chat with Levi whenever there's a tour or an album coming out. It's been quite a while, it must be said, but The Curse of Existence, it is available now. A killer album. That band, as I said through the chat, is just getting better. Now, if you like that chat, there are plenty more just like it over at scarsandguitars.com and something else potentially even better, is that if you like listening, maybe you like reading and I've released a book, click the link in the banner on the website and you'll be taken to a marketplace of your choice and you can download a sample and if you complete the purchase, you buy a bloody thing, please hit me up because I want to thank you personally and there's a little bit more information about the book coming up but before we get to that I want to bid you a fond farewell. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast. Until next time... It is a very good buy for now. This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. I've been the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast since 2017. The first musician I interviewed for the show was David Vincent from Morbid Angel, and things have just snowballed from there. In all, I've posted almost 650 podcast episodes featuring conversations with many of the leading lights of rock heavy metal and beyond. It just got to a point where I thought I need to write a book about all this so that's exactly what I did. In Scars and Guitars Volume 1 you'll read a heap of deep reveals and commentary such as Des Fafara talking about Cold Chamber and why the band will never return. You know if you're a, a band just starting out you need to hear me. Do not start a band with partners. Ever. Yeah, wise words there. Sage advice, mate, for anybody. Don't ever, because I, I can't go do Cold Chamber right now unless I get others involved. Phil Anselmo talks about the episode in his career, which gives him the greatest sense of accomplishment. I think the staying power of the, the fans and the staying power of the I, of the songs, you know, whether it's Pantera, Down, or Superjoint, the fans remember the songs. Alex Skolnick from Testament confirms that, yes, Playing the guitar in Ozzy's band is anything but an ordinary gig. Will Silent Oz from Demu Borgir write a book? Pa from Sabaton gives advice to people who want to start a band. Look at the team around you, look at the bandmates. If, uh, if the guys want to be on the stage, then it's all cool. If the guys want to be backstage, then it's not going to be cool. Current and former members of Cradle of Filth discuss the band's seminal 90s material. Read about the reaction to George Lynch and Mark from Suicide Silence's comments when they throw shade at then-President Donald Trump. We have this idiotic monster, you know, this egotistical, self-aggrandizing, completely
complete piece of shit in there. I, I, I just I just can't understand how we've gotten to this place. And yeah, we kicked a hornet's nest with Sepultura. Percussive overlord Gene Hoagland talks about recording with Chuck Schuldiner. Chuck was always, um, you know, he was he was very you know very open minded and and he was into having his his musicians that were playing with him just reach out for for the best stuff that they had. Phil Campbell from Motorhead discusses what it takes to get sober. John Five answers his critics who dismiss his tenure with Marilyn Manson. You know, my name is John Five and Manson gave me that name and um, I had some of the best years of my life in that band and, and learned a lot. And we get the lowdown on Trey Zagtoth from those who would know, including his mother. All across Scars and Guitars Volume 1, there are moments of tension, relief, tragedy, exhilaration, and throughout it all, you'll obtain insight that I believe no one else has managed to obtain from many of your favourite artists. So treat yourself. Scars and Guitars Volume 1 is currently available as an ebook with a print edition on the horizon. Follow the links attached and download a sample. I'm sure you'll be compelled to read the whole book. <laughs>